best not miss. Well, I'm a bunch of real crowd laying motherfucker, motherfucker. Welcome to The Party Pal, the mind-bending film and television podcast you didn't know you needed. Welcome to The Party Pal as a proud member of the Osiris Media Group. Check out all their podcasts, all their live events, everything they have going on over at OsirisPod.com. In this episode, we celebrate Maestro, the biographical romantic drama film that centers on the relationship between American composer Leonard Bernstein and his wife Felicia. It was directed by Bradley Cooper from a screenplay he wrote with Josh Singer. It was produced by Cooper, Martin Scorsese, Steven Spielberg, amongst a few others. And the film stars Carey Mulligan as Felicia alongside Cooper as Bernstein. And Matt Palmer, Maya Hawke, and Sarah Silverman appear in supporting roles. There's a lot to get into here. A lot of people love it. Some hate it. Uh, and to break it all down, I have River Jordan back on the program. Podcaster, author radio host, and all-around film and television enthusiast. Let's get into it. River, welcome back to the party. Uh, great to have you here. It's great that movies are happening, and movies are happening streaming, and movies are happening at the box office. And, uh-huh. you know, I feel good. I feel good about it. Me too. It just feels so, so back. I just, I went to see, I went to saw Poor Things last night, which I love, but, uh, I, w- I had to like go to a third theater. Like usually the two closest to me were like the seats were almost completely full and I had to go to one I usually don't go to. And I'm like, you know, that sounds like a nuisance to some, but I'm like, that's exciting. That's cool. People are like- that's exciting. Yeah. I told, you, I told you a long time ago, but during COVID, I think we were talking about station 11 and yeah. the theaters were closed and my favorite theater in Nashville was closed. And I just wanted to go light a candle and stand outside the doors, you know, just like just inside there's everything. It. It's church to a lot of us. It's like our it's our happy place. It's where it's our escape. I just I mean, I love as much as technology of sound and visuals has crept into the home and made that viewing experience so much better. It's still so magical to go see it with people, to see it in that setting. I love it. And you know, we're at a time of year where we're celebrating. A lot of these movies and i just i think that's so fun too there's discovery involved in that there's you get to see some movies that that you were hoping would get some love get some love and you know also see some things where you know you're like oh man i wish people caught on to that uh i did want to ask you before we um go deep into maestro did you have any thoughts about the oscar nominations just came out and i'm sure both of us are still working through our list of movies of what we you know seeing them all um, getting ready for the Oscars. Any initial thoughts on the Oscar nominations? Well, it it looks like it's going to be a slam dunk is what it looks like. You know, if we if I were a betting woman, um, yep. you know, I, I would say Oppenheimer's going to dance across the stage with a lot of stuff. And I think it's deserve, deserved, but um, it's nice to see. There's always the wild card. You know, and and I would love to see. Is it Lily Gladstone? Is that how you say it? Yeah. I was. I have loved the the awards that she has won. Um, date, and I would be happy with her winning Best Actress. That that would be just a historical, wonderful moment. Yeah, would. But I haven't seen Poor Things yet because it's not playing anywhere around me. And when I was in Nashville, I wasn't able to dash. Tell you what, Emma Stone is very worthy herself. It's right. unbelievable. 
It is. Uh, Carrie Mulligan is too. We're going to get into that. But yeah, yeah. Emma was incredible. Yeah, I think I think it's going to be a closer rate. And I think there's going to be a wild card that comes out. Killers of the Flower Moon too, you know, obviously yeah. uh, received so many nominations. And I was delighted to see American fiction in the mix. I yeah. haven't seen it yet. Also near me. Uh, and both were playing in Nashville at the Bear Belcour when I was there, and it was just Christmas, and I was only there for a few days. I wasn't able to get them in. So those two movies are definitely top of my list that I've got yeah. to make up, you know, before before the awards are announced. Yeah. I loved American Fiction. I didn't realize it was going to get this love that Jeffrey Wright was going to get this love. That right. was uh, Sterling. Sterling is hilarious in it, and I'm just delighted to see that. My initial thoughts. I'm with everybody. It's wild that um, you know, Greta. And uh, Margot got snubbed. It, does, it doesn't make Absolutely. sense. It, it doesn't make sense. It's a no-brainer. It's an absolute no-brainer in that. I do, sometimes I get a little, you know, upset about how much people talk about the snubs. Because, I mean, here, we get a chance to celebrate Lily Gladstone. Coleman Domingo from Rustin. You know, uh, Giamatti getting his thing. Jeffrey Wright, I saw when he heard that he got the nomination. He was so happy. And I wish, like, we could focus just on you know that type of fun stuff but that, that a snub like that it's how do you not talk about it how does it not make waves um i love the best picture nominees uh, i don't we're not going to step on us talking about our best uh, favorite films of the year when we do that in you know in a few weeks here but um there's so many unique gems we're going to talk about one of them today in maestro um i do think may december should be there i was actually very surprised may december didn't get some love you're right Oppenheimer, Oppenheimer is a juggernaut, um, which is wild thinking, you know, Killers of the Moon, uh, Flower Moon is right there. Uh, my sleeper is The Holdovers. It's just, it's uh, genius. But, uh, and then the only the other thought is I just the best actors categories we've just been getting going on. It's just unbelievable what the, what the work they did. Uh, again, for May, December, Julian Moore and Natalie Portman could have been right there with them. They are terrific. But We'll get more into the Oscars and best pictures and all that when we talk later on. Maestro, let's talk Maestro. I am dying to hear. I don't know what you thought. I don't know uh, your opinion on this. I, I'm dying to hear your thoughts, River. I thought multiple things at one time. And, <laughs> and um, so this was a long awaited for film, like the buzz early on. And then you see who the producers are that you've got, um, you know, Martin Scorsese and you've got Steven Spielberg and you've got, and you're like, wow, and it's Bradley Cooper and it's going to be this amazing thing. Mm. I think the screenplay was probably different than what I would have expected going in, mm -hmm. but I watched it, watched most of it a second time. So I, I think give, and we'll talk about this, but given if it had come out in a different year, if yeah. this movie had come out in 2020 and it wasn't up against Killers and it wasn't being compared to Oppenheimer and Killers of the Flower Moon, I think I think we would be looking at it a little bit differently. I agree. I agree. Yeah, and it seems like um, it, it, it is something that was set up for such success. Um, mm -hmm. and the cinematographers who worked with Bradley on A Star is Born, um, Matthew uh, Libatique, I believe I said it right, uh, you know, the costumes by Mark Bridges, who did Phantom Thread. Just Bradley is proving, we'll get more into this, and I'd like to, um, proving just to be a stud of a director. Just the, the two leads, um, you know, we're talking about two of the best actors and actresses there are. It's just, you know, and just the the, the topic and the way it's shot, the chances they took. I mean, it's, it's Oscar bait. 
it's really they're going for it in every single way and I, I don't mean that in a bad way I love movies that really you know are swinging for the fences swinging swinging for the awards but um it's it's like you said it's 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 of of worth that it it it, it, it could it, in, in any other year it could really be the film we're really talking about as a lead um I think my initial reaction just in watching it was I love that I was immediately transported it is it's magical and 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 that came in like two ways to me the first was just uh you know when we see the 60 minutes mike wallace interview is um you know older i am just my jaw is on the floor from just what they did to him physically and just you know what they made him look like and 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 what you know immediately just that the visual of of bernstein is an older bernstein and then the second part of that is when we you know, kind of step back and went to black and white and and you know, it, it just, it, it felt like a classic talkie. I mean, we, I was truly transported back to, I felt like in, in the way they were talking, the way it looked, I felt like I was watching an old, like a, not just an old movie, a great old movie. Like one of the ones that's gonna like stand the test of time. And it just felt, it felt magical digging right into the world. And it's just it, like, I was transported immediately. And that's what I asked, that's, that's the goal. That's the goal for movies for me. I thought that Bradley Cooper did an exceptional job of stepping into those shoes and portraying that man and, and really just being there and carrying it in every scene throughout the movie. I never saw him shift or break character or to my knowledge, you know, and I've, I've like I said, I've watched it again. And then I, I really appreciated, I love black and white. And I told you I was one of the few people that went to the theater by accident and saw, um, the Nightmare Alley, uh -huh. which was released in black and white. I, know. I love that you did that. And I didn't even know. And I, I thought the whole, I thought everyone was seeing it. <laughs> I didn't know. I'm like, what do you mean you saw a color version? And so I was like, well, it was in black and white. I thought, oh, my God, what does it mean? But um, oh, what a fine film that is. I wish so you some of those uh, it, it that did not get the love. That's that's no, a, that it, was. It's that pissed a me fabulous, off. Fabulous, fabulous yeah. film, and yeah. Bradley Cooper needed to get recognized for his. It, it just it was genius. It was a genius film. Genius, and so that one needs some attention. Yeah. Um, but I, I was looking at some of the shots, mm -hmm. and it really brought me back to that moment because they're beautifully, beautifully constructed, the lighting and everything, and it brought me back to that moment of sitting in the theater watching Nightmare Alley, uh, and the, it was the. It was so great. Of course, I, I go alone. I'm sitting in a matinee or late matinee or maybe it was night, but I'd lift my phone up and, the, and in Nightmare Alley, the pictures were so glorious on the screen. I was taking pictures, which of course I could never use, but I just wanted to capture the gorgeous setting. And I saw that same um, influence in Maestro. I saw that, oh, I Bradley... He got this from Nightmare Alley and working with um, him, you know, working with a great director and and wanting to continue to be a great director. So, yeah, yeah. I could see that influence. And I thought the shots were beautiful and the cin cinematography was beautiful. And you're right about the costuming because every Jeez. outfit he wears and as time goes on and then he's in this you know, lovely sweaters and the, you know, the slacks, you know, no one even says slacks anymore, but he's wearing slacks. <laughs> it's, it's just, you get the whole vibe that, that yeah. goes along with that. I, they, they did a great job. Yeah. It, it, bouncing through the eras is something I really, Bernstein through the eras was tons of fun. I mean, that, the, 
the 80s in particular it was it, was, it almost got comical to see yeah yeah yeah, yeah. That, that was really really fun um yeah just to kind of piggyback what you were saying with bradley as director it's really it's really thinking about a star is born in this it's really a triumphant start that like it's just he's he's it looks like on this type of trajectory he's going to be one of the like great directors we're dealing with and you know um it's just it, there's bold decisions he's making in this there's you know different aspect ratios the black and white and color changes and it just seems and, and and he's just pulling it off and he's working with the right people i really I, we're gonna he's gonna he might he's, he's not he's not gonna get it uh here i don't think he's gonna be holding the trophy i think he's gonna be holding holding the, that director trophy at one point and i just it's it's he's on that trajectory um i think this yeah yeah, yeah, absolutely. Right. Uh, I think the scope is really important to talk about because there's a lot of what you read about and especially when it comes to critique about it is, you know, that the, this focus about just his personal life. And there's so much we could have learned more about Bernstein and about his career and everything. And there's actually a great um, um, kind of he, he talks about it a lot. There's there's a really I, I recommend everybody this New Yorker radio hour interview with him. It's terrific. He just talks about everything He's labor in love with it. If you love this film, I, it's a great companion piece. But, you know, him and and, you know, the other writer I can't think of his name right now. They talk a lot about how there is so much information about Bernstein's career out there and about just, you know, everything he's done and his talents and stuff like that. But they didn't feel there was that big of a focus on his interesting personal life. And so they they made that that's an intentional focus. It's not like, you know, they use that as a as a way to talk about his career and all the things that was almost the backdrop for the personal life thing. And, you know, it, that's that's that was a decision they made. And it's it creates kind of an intimate portrayal of his many private selves. And that, that's cool. I, I was here for it. And it gave oh, no, me- that, that part was great. Um... Yeah. I think I was going into it. I was expecting more music, more of the directing or more of working on screenplay soundtracks or those sort of collaborations. And it turned out to be a love story about him and his wife, regardless of what you think the parameters of the love story were. It was truly a love story about him and his wife. And he says in the film, what would I done without her? I'd be at the bottom of that pond out there, basically. I mean, that's a loose paraphrase, but um, he was who he was in large part because she helped him be who he was. You no, know, no doubt, no doubt. Yeah, no, and it just, I, I appreciate. You know, it's it's one of those things. It's instead of looking at what could be, I think there is not enough in some of these critiques I'm seeing. There's one. Uh, uh, the New York, there was a New Yorker critique and it was, I mean, they, they talk and I don't know if this is wrong. They talk about them skipping a crucial decade and a half of the couple's life. They didn't like, there was a mid fifties to 1971 that was not touched on. And they were really feeling that, you know, there was a lot of, um, kind of, uh, emotion missing without, with not like touching on the whole story of them and going in depth. I felt nothing but emotion. <laughs> like I felt, I felt their, I felt their love. I felt their hate. I felt their back and forth in a major way. And if there's anything that was kind of like problematic and, and kind of like that framework, it was just, that's like kind of like the problems anyone would have like with the generic like biopic, kind of like the rise and fall and destruction and the falling apart. And, you know, but I mean, that is the story here too. So I don't know. I just came upon so many 
so many uh, what what if they did this why didn't they talk about this and i just thought i thought the story they told was beautiful i love a love story it was just in set in the throughout these decades it's complicated it's interesting and it gave carrie mulligan a real chance to be carrie mulligan and she's she's what do you think of her in this movie unbelievable i thought she was unbelievably perfect and i have i have heard other people say Oh, I just don't want to see her being, you know, Carrie Mulligan anymore or whatever. And I'm like, I thought it was exquisite. I thought yep. her performance was absolutely exquisite and um, well-deserved of any attention that it gathers. But I also think the supporting cast was exceptional. And I loved Sarah Silverman playing his- So surprising, right? Right. And so good. So yeah. good on point you know I think she's uh, such a talent but I, I i think maybe we've been like wasting some of her dramatic talent yeah she can get it done yeah she she really brought that home and then is it matt bomber that yeah. played his lover and his friend mm -hmm. you know, later in life his friend i thought he was wonderful uh, had a beautiful performance that was understated and and very very well done i just i just really yeah. uh enjoyed all of that i i do you want to get back to just a minute about Bradley and directing? Because I was like, why? Why was he obsessed with this? So I didn't know about his Mickey Mouse moment about, uh, was it Mickey Mouse? No, Tom and Jerry. Tom and where, Jerry. You know, oh. we're watching cartoons and yep. he's, he's watching Tom, yep. you know, do the directing. And that's, and, and they end up getting him a, a baton as a toy. Which Always. is his favorite toy, which Always. is like, as a child. It's unbelievable. As a child. And yep. so that's what he did was practice directing. And as I was watching the scene where he's directing gospel, you know, the big one in the middle, the whole six minute thing. Yeah. And I thought, you know, I hope on many levels this works, but I hope that in this moment of creating this scene and Bradley getting to direct mm -hmm. for those minutes, I hope somehow that childhood, you know, dream was fulfilled, you know. It was, it's, it's, isn't it, and I mentioned that radio out, and in the interviews he's talking about, isn't it wild to see somebody, you know, people are obsessed with maybe movie stars, maybe athletes or something. He was obsessed with conducting. I he know. truly was coming up through, uh, through his childhood, and this is something he cared about. Just it is worth, and I'm glad you brought us back there because it's worth noting how much of a labor of love this is. I mean, his dedication, the way he leaned in here is 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 in a way I you don't always see in movies. Even when someone goes you know all out or really puts their passion on the screen, I just there's he spent six years learning how to conduct conduct what is like an essential scene in the movie. It's that recreation of um him him leading the London symphony orchestra mm -hmm. six years they went in there and he just was working on working on the whole time to get it right and just it just i mean and also how physical is like the act of conducting i know i learned this because i did a lot of research on bernstein after the fact but he used to he was mocked for his physical flamboyance as uh, they always thought people thought he was going way over the top and his his thought about it was if he goes all out musicians will go all out which i love if he's like he's leaning into it you know if you're coaching your butt off i mean to use a, a sports reference you know the team's gonna follow you right in but it's just how physical the sweat dripping off him and bradley's doing all that he's going so hard in this movie he leaned in yeah he did yeah he, did. he was all in he's got that touch of crazy yeah that, yeah. 
know what I like, you know, and it is a touch of crazy when your passions uh, possess you to that degree, but that's, to me, that's the only way great things really come about, you know, those exceptional, exceptional things come about. And, um, yeah, the crazy genius line. It's a real thing. It's a, I, I, I always, you know, I want my musicians to be a little bit, you know, a little bit over the top, my actors and, and, and directors and artists just to, yeah, you, I mean, you gotta be a certain thing. And that's something, you know, I'd like to just touch back to Carrie cause she was so good. That's something when he went to her and discussed it with her, he's like, I'm going to go all in. Will you go all in with me? And she's like, I will, I'll go all in. And it's like, it's just, it's seeing them, you know, on both sides of it, seeing them fall in love, I thought was so romantic. Seeing them fight was frightening. Um, and then seeing her, you know, slowly pass away was was tragic. That was and she really, you spent so much, they spent so much time with her during that period. And that's, that's, that's trying on an actor. And it's tough to really take you to that place. And she took us to that place. How about that scene where they were, fighting um in uh, like it's his uh upper east side or where was the parade go but the parades in the background the thanksgiving day parades in the background how well played is that yeah yeah you get snoopy to see coming back yeah you see the bloats go by i'm oh, like you see snoopy man. come by oh you know what some nice digs just sit right there just <laughs> like oh this is incredible not caring you know obviously they were in their own world but i love the idea that they weren't caring about something that's so big it's you know it's a national event and they just you know they're in their own world and that's happening outside just another year just another year for them just you know? another year it's so so well played so we can't um not talk about the elephant in the room it's it's just one of the things that kept coming up and unfortunately about the film is the prosthetic and that is i don't know if you saw much like especially initially there was a lot of talk about it um you know when he talks about it he he talks about and i like this it's it's and i'm talking about bradley it was described as more subtle than people realize because he's like i got a pretty big nose too and he's not he's not wrong um and i don't understand the controversy when when he's obviously not mocking uh, and especially when the entire family, Bernstein family, is like, what are people talking about? This is, he's actually doing a great job. They, Bernstein's son, everyone's like, he's doing a good job looking like my father. Like, there's been times where, like, they were, like, shocked how well, he, how incredibly he looked like his father. Yeah. Well, I have strong feelings about some of this stuff uh, based yeah. on being a writer and how people say you can't write that character because you're not that shade of white, brown, yellow, whatever color. Yep. You can't write that character because you're not a man. Yep. And um, a lot of my characters are male, you know, drip their, you know, the protagonist is male. So to me, I think you can really mess people up by starting to get crazy like that. I think people worrying about exactly what size his nose was is getting a little crazy. It would be like if you and I were gonna shoot a movie about one-eyed pirates, so we had to go find a one-eyed pirate to play the part of the one-eyed pirate. No, you're gonna get a great actor who puts an eye patch on and plays a one-eyed part. So I, to me, I, I think all that stuff is- um, It's frustrating. It's frustrating to me. It's it can all it can also be silly, and I don't want to discount anyone's feelings. But okay. again, I think you'd look at just like Killers of the Flower Moon. That was not to make fun of any native or indigenous people. You know that movie, and and likewise, Bradley is in no way ultimate respect 
uh, for Leonard Bernstein. And I, and I think intent is, you know, 99% of it, you know, that you have to examine. Yeah. yeah. And the more you dig and learn about, um, um, you know, kind of how they did it. I mean, in the age of kind of CGI, prosthetics are pretty special. And the artist behind this is Kazuhiro, who um, is just, I mean, this guy is, he did Bombshell, he did Looper, he Benjamin Button. Um, he's, I mean, he's, he's a genius. He's an absolute genius. His first job um, in this realm, he's just a regular artist, was doing um, Vincent D'Onofrio and Men in Black. Um, I mean, this guy, he was, he was just inspired by kind of, maybe the most prominent old school um, makeup artist of all time, which is Dick, uh, Dick Smith back in the day who did Brando in The Godfather. And, and you know, he, he talks about it when you read articles about Kazu, he uh, talks about how Star Wars and Chewbacca's hair in particular got him got him thinking about this world. And he um, he left film in 2012 and uh, to pursue he did, he's he's a sculptor and just was doing sculptures until um, Gary Oldman came to him. And Gary Oldman's I Need Help. He, that's for Churchill doing Winston Churchill in the finest hours. And he got him to come back. And so, I mean, this is not, he, you know, he went to the best of the best and he found somebody who really, who also just like Bradley is going to care about trying to do this right and do this with respect. And if we're doing it, let's, let's do it. You know, I think, I just think it's, I think it's actually awesome what they did. It's, it's, I, and, thought, like, I thought he looked beautiful. And yeah. I, my, my favorite shots of him is when he's older. You know, yeah, really, me the, too. the clothes, the look, the yeah. the dignity. I, I just love all of it. And I love the way Bradley smoked cigarettes, just like he did, too. I, was I watching, couldn't get over I, that. I was watching the way he was smoking and holding and all the puffing. And, of course, everybody's dying of lung cancer. and Everybody's just smoking their brains out, you know. I, don't, um, I, 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 I just don't understand how you do that in life, but also as an actor, with just like that thing. He, I mean, he had to like incorporate it into all his acting. It's just wild. It's super wild. Yeah, yeah. yeah learn, I, learn in, in, and I know that in, um, and I know they didn't focus too much on, um, you know, his his career. Yeah, I mean, it was, it, but they, 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 I was still learning crazy facts the entire time. I know it was a love story as we were talking about. I mean, the fact that he was 25 years old when he was called to get on that Carnegie Hall stage, that's absolutely insane. I didn't even know he did the score of On the Waterfront. I, that's, I apologize about my naivety there. And that's something um, these things do. They, they and movies do, or just these type of films do. You learn so much. And then I was I was, you know, learning outside the film about I looked I was looking up about conducting because I was like, I never fully got it and how they stay ahead of the beat and just, you know, what exactly what they do. Is it necessary? How much does why are they superheroes? And, you know, you know, kind of addressing my naivety in that way. And that's what movies like this do. They were just like, I want to know more. And I dug in more. And it was it's been fun learning more. It has been. And that moment, I, and I did exactly what you did. I went and started looking up, well, exactly how many pieces did he direct? How many movies did he write the score uh, for? And the fact crazy. his father wanted him to go into the family business and, you know, it was not allowed. You were not allowed. So he self-taught himself, primarily self-taught himself to play the piano and to do this. Uh, so obviously he just had that gift to excess you know that musical Absolutely. gift but to be tapped at 25 that moment of destiny yeah. um 
that moment and meeting that moment, being ready for that moment, but it coming so early. And I read an interview that Leonard did saying he heard his name called when it was time to walk out on stage. And he remembers absolutely nothing until the applause and the cheers from the audience. And he has a complete blackout of everything in between. Um, just I can, I can understand how you just yeah. shut down and go into memory mode. Okay, I've got to do this. But he doesn't remember the conducting at all. Blacked just the, out. the moment. Yeah. Yeah. So beautiful. Honestly, that's, that, that's, just, that's just amazing. And I honestly want to learn more now. You know, it's just it's I'm I'm kind of uh, it, a little bit obsessed with learning what what conductors do and what what what's going on. They they kind of um it's kind of interesting. The conductor genre is a little bit on fire right now. I mean, with yeah. tar, yeah. tar <laughs> conductors are hot now, really hot. That's what's in there. <laughs> what else? Uh, what else you got about the movie that really affected you? Um, hear more I, from you? I thought it was a beautiful love letter to New York. Yeah. Uh, and we're mentioning, you know, the parade going on behind them in that scene. And uh, I love the fact that just facts that I read afterwards is how when his funeral procession was going on, even the construction workers were taking their hats off and standing and saying, see you, Lenny, or goodbye, Lenny, or, you know, it, so people really had um, a love for him that he belonged to them yeah. in a way, you know, not just to the world, but in a very special way, belonged to New York. And, and I didn't, I didn't know that I've heard you could, it like resonates around here and you know, like that, that, that people up here have a, this reverence. And I just, you know, I'm not from that. And I'm, it just, it's so cool to yeah. kind of get a taste of that and experience it and feel, cause that's real. And I love central park. I, I love, um, one of my absolute favorite scenes in the movie is after she finds out that she has cancer and they start to get in the car and he goes, let's walk. And they go oh, to the park and they're leaning it. against each other. Just, just back two. to back. Yeah. The number's two. I'm thinking of the number two, just like uh -huh. you and me and you. Yeah. Uh, uh -huh. And, and I, that was a precious scene. That was yeah. a, yeah. Uh, cool. I like the, um, I like moments when they bring in surrealism into it, the kind of the, the rehearsing of the dancing of on the um, um, on the town with Felicia and just when things got a little because it's, it's it's a magical transporting film but when they kind of take it to like the next step that 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 was oh, getting yeah. me as well yeah. you know, any sort yeah. of surrealism um it's just it's it is a beautiful film that's really I, I think I think it's going to grow on me more because there's so much to take into so much different stuff to look at and and um it's it is it is a shame as we we're talking about this you know it's not going to get exactly the love and praise that i think i think bradley was looking for i mean he worked so hard this is this is one of the truest labors of love i've seen in a while but um but we're giving it its love here and that's important as well so any, any closing thoughts on my show um i did have i had a i had a very important closing thought um Bring it I, here it is here it is i think that this film is going to get uh more beloved as time goes on. And I think that sometimes when you have a film like this, that's about a particular larger than life character, genius, creative, and then you try to put it into this film in so many minutes that everyone brings such expectations to the screen that it's easy to be maybe let down a little bit. Um, but if you had just bumped into this movie without all that and any, all the any baggage yeah 
saw it with a really clean slate and no expectations, I think you'd see it to be a much more beautiful film than it's getting recognized for. I think you absolutely nailed it. I mean, like, like I kind of said already, if you can dwell on, you know, what could have been def done differently or, you know, what, what you expected it to be, but I think it's better to celebrate the, the achievement that it is. And it is an achievement. It's a, it's truly, truly an achievement. So we celebrated it here and that's, that's a matter. So thank you so much, Reverend. I'm glad to talk about this film with you. Always a pleasure. And uh, thank you everyone out there for once again, joining the party. This podcast is in the loop, the Legion of Osiris podcasts. Osiris is creating a community that connects people like you with live experiences and podcasts about artists and topics you love. Get in the loop at OsirisPod.com.